Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yeah! Yeah! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the show, glad to be with you coming out of the weekend, so much to get to, a big weekend of high school basketball, a lackluster weekend for the Indiana Hoosiers, they really did not play well against Auburn in Atlanta on Saturday afternoon, and so many things to get to today, glad you're with us, complete coverage of the Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Real quick, the show lineup here for this busy Monday program, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, in just a few moments, we're going to talk with a special high school basketball player in Clark and Floyd Counties. His name is Joshua Renfro of Christian Academy. He just recently, on Friday night, surpassed 1,000 career points for the Warriors. He is a great shooter and uh, just a junior. So we'll talk with him about his recent accomplishment and how the season is going so far for Christian Academy. Also, Later in the hour, we'll be joined by Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, one of our regular guests on Mondays. We'll talk IU basketball coming out of the Auburn game with him. Of course, up next for the Hoosiers, it gets no easier. In fact, it gets a lot tougher, and that's because Indiana will take on Kansas coming up in their next game. And we'll check in with Coach Sig and IU football as well with Zach when he joins us a little bit later in the show today. Uh, also, Segment 3, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member. He will be with us. I think Chad was in Atlanta at the IU-Auburn game. Of course, Chad has a great connection to Coach Pearl, Bruce Pearl, the Auburn coach from his time as, at USI as the head coach there. National Championship Division Two coach at USI uh, was Auburn coach Bruce Pearl some moons ago. But that's our lineup today. A service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out Honey Baked Ham today for lunch. They've got great sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily, and they will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Ham in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You have questions, you have comments, you want to sound off on IU's lackluster performance on Saturday. Whatever you've got, you can send them to us. We'll get them on the air during our Monday program. And Thornton's is your place for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction. Right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and send us a text on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502 502- 
414-1450. With us in this first segment, Joshua Renfro of Christian Academy. His Warriors team is off to a great start, 5-0 and on the season, and they recorded a big win over rival Rock Creek on Friday night. And from an individual standpoint, Josh surpassed 1,000 career points already fairly early in his junior season. Josh, congratulations on a great start to the year. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here, first of all. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Let's talk about your team first, and then we'll get into some of your individual accomplishments. But that Friday night game, I know always on that Friday, everybody circles New Albany and Floyd Central as a big game in the area. But Christian Academy and Rock Creek, that's grown into a great rivalry, two very successful 1A basketball programs in the area. So for you guys to remain undefeated and get that victory Friday night, how big was that for you and your team? I mean, it was very big, especially because, you know, they knocked us out last year. I mean, it's a small gym. You know there's going to be a lot of people there. So to go in there, I mean, the refs, you're not always going to get all the calls you want. So to go in there and get a big win was just really good for our team to start off the year and go 5-0. and uh, how about that 5-0 and record? You guys uh, are uh, undefeated so far and have taken on some good challenges. There are some big ones ahead, but you've got to be pleased with the start, and you've got to have confidence in your game and your teammates as well that this can be a special season, perhaps, for Christian Academy. Yeah, it really can be a special season, and I'm looking forward to a big game Friday night. Josh, you are often the leading scorer for Christian Academy. I think you had 39 points in a game earlier this season. And you're joining us today to talk about uh, your 1,000-point mark that you recently passed. But like in the game Friday, you had 11 points. You reached double figures. You were a big part of the victory for Christian Academy. But it was your teammate David Cook that led the way with 20 points. You can score it. You can shoot it. But you can also facilitate the basketball and play a complete game, can't you? Yes, sir. Um Teams look to take me away, so some nights it's not going to be me having 37, and it's going to be me dishing out to people like David Cook and Cooper to have those big nights for them. And it's really good for them to step up and have those type of nights in a big game like that. Now, Josh, Friday night, in that 11 points you scored, you surpassed 1,000 career points. That's quite an honor to do so here in Southern Indiana basketball, and it's especially a big honor to have the opportunity to do that as a junior. Uh, Can you talk about that accomplishment that you've already reached uh, early here, middle of December of your junior year? Well, it's something that you dream about doing your whole life, and to finally get the opportunity as a junior, it's, it's unreal, though. And having the fans that we had and a bunch of middle schoolers and elementary kids, it just puts it in perspective that you used to be that elementary kid cheering on the person to get a 1,000. So just really trying to look and see that everybody was there to support me. And just I'm just very thankful to get the opportunity to get it as a junior. We're talking with Joshua Renfro of Christian Academy, who recently surpassed 1,000 career points already this season uh, as a junior. Josh, you've seen a lot of different defenses as well. I've seen a handful of your games over your career, and it's not unusual for you to see some sort of junk defense or a box-in-one situation where you are the focal point. Uh, How tough has that been for you to deal with some of the defensive schemes that these other teams run at you? I mean, it can be really frustrating, but it's something that we can learn and work through. So, I mean, we've already gotten better at it so far in the first couple games. And, I mean, on Friday night, they started in a box and one, and uh, people started playing better, hitting shots, and and they made them come out of it. So, really just getting the ball to other people and letting them score is going to open up the game for me later on. 
Josh, I know you're recruiting has picked up. You're an active player year round, not just for Christian Academy, but you're playing basketball basically 12 months a year at a fairly high level. I know you've got some colleges interested. I know you've got some uh, people that have offered scholarships and expressed that they'd like you to potentially to come to their to their university and play for their program. Where are you at right now in the recruiting process? What level of schools have shown interest? And when do you think maybe you'll be ready to decide? I know you've got a lot of time at Christian Academy left, but when do you think you'll be ready to maybe think about what's next after your time with CAI? Uh, I'm just, first of all, grateful that I'm getting an opportunity to play at the next level, and I really don't know where I want to go yet, but I would probably like to decide right before my senior year so I can uh, not have to worry about that and just finish my high school career, but hey, I got a couple offers from Indiana Tech and St. Francis, and then interested from a bunch of different schools, but the main one that's shown interest is Grace College. So that's about it for right now. All great uh, locations, that's for sure. Josh Renfro of Christian Academy, my guest. You guys have a big one coming up later this week against South Central. The Rebels are off to a good start as well. They are 5-1 and one on the season. They had wins over Borden and Perry Central. That Borden win was a one-point game on Friday night, the same night you guys knocked off Rock Creek. That's a big one. Talk a little bit about South Central, and that's a potential sectional game as well later in the year. I know you guys have that one circled also on your calendar. Yeah, so it is going to be a really cool environment Friday. With it being homecoming, it's going to be packed. And they have two really good players. And it's going to be a fun game because they are a really good team. And so are we. So it's going to be two really good teams playing each other. It's going to be a fun environment. All right. Josh Renfro, Christian Academy, helping us get started here on this Monday show. Josh, it's been so fun to watch you play. I can remember you as an elementary uh, player, a middle school player. You've always been a great shooter, and you've added so much to your game. Congratulations on the wonderful start, and uh, you've got a year and a half left of Southern Indiana High School basketball. Can't wait to see what you and Christian Academy can accomplish. Yes, sir. Thank you. appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem. Josh Renfro with us. Always fun to highlight some of the accomplishments of local players and coaches and teams. And uh, really, it's pretty amazing to think that uh, Josh has already surpassed 1,000 career points based on just simply alone the defenses that he sees. I mean, he has seen all sorts of schemes, and he is always the target uh, defensively from every single team that he and Christian Academy play against. So pretty remarkable, but that uh, really before the middle part of December, uh, he's already over a thousand career points and it's going to be interesting to see. I know his focus is on the team and his teammates and success in the postseason and all those sorts of things as it should be, but it is going to be interesting to see when it's all said and done, what type of final tally he can have as a scorer uh, for the Christian Academy program. No question about that. A couple other headlines to mention here in this opening segment. First off, Thornton's text line is open 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Love to hear from you. Love to get your questions and comments. While we're talking high school basketball, obviously Christian Academy's win over Rock Creek was big on Friday night. The new Albany Floyd Central game I really thought would be a pretty competitive game. I think I said I would tab the Bulldogs as maybe a slight favorite in that contest. And New Albany wasn't just a slight favorite. They absolutely rolled for a great portion of the game. The final score, New Albany 88-73, was much closer than what it was 
for really the middle portion of the game. New Albany led 12-7 after the first period. They used a 27-14 edge in the second quarter to really outscore the Highlanders and take the lead. But uh, a big win for New Albany, a big win for first-year coach Jason Jones. I think Chris Lampkins of the Bulldogs, who had 18 points, has a chance to have a really special season for New Albany um, as he really gets more and more varsity experience. But he led the way Friday with 18 points, a very balanced New Albany attack. Tremaine Washington, transfer in from Louisville, he was on fire from three-point range. He finished with 17 points. Ryland Shrink really got it going in the second half, attacking the rim. He finished with 16 points in the rivalry game and then pretty much balanced scoring the rest of the way for New Albany. But a big conference win as well early in the year. And I still think Floyd Central has some pieces. Coach Fonzo White in his first year as well, his first taste of this rivalry series. We'll see how the Highlanders bounce back. They had a tough weekend with New Albany and Castle on back-to-back nights. We'll see what things look like coming up here leading up to the holidays for this Floyd Central team. Really another surprise this weekend was Jeffersonville losing on the road Friday night. Um, I am high on the Red Devils and their talent and the experience that this group of juniors have playing for Coach Wilkerson. I know they were without Trey Singleton in that game, a Hoosier Hills Conference game at Seymour Friday, but still lost on a last-second shot. Was it like 40-39, to I think, the final score? So a fairly low-scoring game, at least from the Jeffersonville perspective of things. And I got a chance, we didn't broadcast it, but I got a chance to see Providence and Scottsburg on Saturday night. And what a great bounce back win for Providence and Ryan Miller. Of course, their only slip up has been to Brownstown, who is proving each and every week they are the real deal in high school basketball, not just locally or in southern Indiana, but across the state. But Providence's defense, once again, keyed a huge victory. It was an overtime game, and the Pioneers able to really get out over uh, Scottsburg in the overtime. Everything went Scottsburg, rather, everything went Providence's way in the overtime period, and a really big win over a good Scottsburg team. Scottsburg is legitimate. They can shoot it, but they've got five solid, good players. They don't really go into the bench. I think only one or two times uh, did the Scottsburg coaching staff go to their bench. So interesting results from over the weekend. There are some other games to look at, talk about as well, but just some of the highlights coming out of the high school basketball weekend. We'll get into New Albany, rather we'll get into Indiana coming up here in just a moment, but uh, obviously a uh, loss to Auburn and not a good performance for the Hoosiers. Kind of strange as well. I thought Indiana would get handled pretty good. I still think this, even at home against Kansas. I thought in a neutral site against Auburn, they would have a chance to be very competitive. I thought it would be a, a very good game. It wouldn't have surprised me if Indiana lost and it was a five- or six-point loss. It would not have surprised me if Indiana won and it was a five- or six-point victory. I did not see Indiana getting blasted 104 76 at the State Farm Center in Atlanta on Saturday. But Indiana's defense was not good. Uh, So much of Indiana, uh, so many different areas of the team were not good on Saturday. The three-point shooting and just the overall lack of three-point shooting and lack of efficiency on when they do shoot a three was not good. Kellel Ware, who has been the solid, consistent guy for Indiana all season long, he did not look good 
for really for the first time this season. He really struggled uh, with the Auburn defense in the post. And Indiana took one, uh, not surprised they lost, but surprised by the margin for sure. It was an opportunity after two Big Ten wins to get some early momentum uh, heading into the rest of the non-conference slate. And uh, I thought maybe they could get a win here. And it would have been a good NCAA tournament resume piece as well. Uh, but obviously not a good outing for the Hoosiers and not a lot of time to regroup. There's no mid-major opponent coming to town midweek. They've got Kansas coming up next in another marquee game of the season for the Hoosiers. So um, I, I think that the saving grace might be it's a home game. Uh, but Kansas is rolling right now. Uh, a very tough game coming up for Indiana. And really, I think it's going to be interesting just to see how close this Indiana team is able to keep it against against Kansas at home. No question, a tough game coming up uh, for this IU basketball team. A couple other notes to mention. We've got another rivalry game coming up a little bit later in the week as uh, far as high school basketball goes. Jeffersonville and Silver Creek will battle on Friday night. That game at Jeffersonville will be there to broadcast with our pregame show around 7:10 p.m. on Friday night. It was so fun to be back in the gym. My first Southern Indiana broadcast of the year, the Friday night Floyd Central New Albany game. Thanks to all the listeners. Obviously, with the radio, hard to track, really don't know, but the streaming, a ton of you guys. Uh, listening in, whether you were at holiday parties or other games or whatever it may have been, and really look forward to Silver Creek and Jeff. As long as Jeff is full strength, I, I think that Silver Creek and Jeff will be a tremendous game, but I do want to give a shout-out to Silver Creek. They are 6-0 and this season. They cruised past uh, North Harrison 68-32 on Friday. That was really not a surprise, but a good win, not just to beat Jennings County, but to win 73-54 was the final score on Saturday. Back-to-back -back wins for this Silver Creek team, and now they've got a tough weekend coming up, a Hoosier Hills Conference weekend for the Mid-Southern Conference Dragons. They play at Jeff on Friday at Bedford North Lawrence on Saturday, but really interested in this Silver Creek-Jeffersonville game coming up on Friday night. And what a start it has been for Silver Creek so far this season. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back to talk more IU-Auburn and probably a little IU football as well. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join us. Stay with us. You're listening to a Monday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill me to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Monday show. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Uh, texter says, I don't think Indiana was the only Big Ten team that looked bad. I thought they all did. Purdue has the best stable of guards, great forwards, and a great center, but they will likely get mauled by Arizona. Yeah, there were some tough Big Ten results over the weekend. And how about Coach Izzo and Michigan State? Are they 4-5? and five? 
I think on the season coming out of the weekend after being ranked number four, I think, in the AP poll to start the season. So, yeah, definitely some Big Ten question marks so far this season. There is no question about that. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us. We talk IU basketball and football with Zach. And right now we've got a little bit of breaking news when it comes to football. Just as we came on the air today, uh, Alberto Mendoza, who was committed to be a quarterback recruit for James Madison, uh, is now coming to IU to follow Coach Kurt Signetti. Uh, an interesting pickup here for uh, Coach Sig and the Hoosiers. Zach, I think Mendoza had been on campus uh, in the last week or so, so probably not a huge surprise that he is uh, following Coach Sig to IU. No, I mean, there have been a few um, James Madison commitments who picked up IU offers not long after decommitting or right around the time they decommitted from James Madison. And um, Mendoza seemed, you know, at least outwardly as basically enthusiastic about Indiana's interest as anybody. Um, You know, it seemed like Temple and Florida Atlantic kind of tried to get involved as well. But as you said, Mendoza was on campus over the weekend. It was the first kind of big recruiting weekend that Signetti and his staff have been able to put together. I think this one will be another another one, if not even bigger than last weekend, because you've got a, a big home basketball game to bring guys to. Um, but, it, you know, just based on the timing of everything, uh, and, and I'll freely admit I, I haven't talked to this, this kid one-on-one yet, but based on the timing of everything, it, it just it seemed like this was a natural sort of conclusion. Indiana needed a quarterback in this class, Jim Carpenter, Committed to, to Tom Allen, left the class uh, not long after Signetti's hiring. Um, and that, right now, I, I also expect Indiana to portal to be at this moment. Indiana only had two scholarship quarterbacks on track to be uh, in Bloomington next season, so they, they needed a freshman in this class, I think, as well. And obviously, they know Mendoza well. They've done their evals and everything, so it wasn't super to see, you know, kind of join the class. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. And while we're on football, I know there's been a lot of comings and goings as far as transfer portal commitments, uh, obviously players leaving the program as well uh, to get into the transfer portal. Can you kind of summarize thing, things? I think in addition to the pickup of Mendoza, Indiana also got Justice Ellison, a running back for Wake Forest. Maybe talk through that and some other pickups and maybe some other departures as well. Yeah, I mean, I think Allison was kind of the first, if you want to say the first commitment of of these Indians here. Um, he the first transfer there, but there 580, uh, 548 yards in a touchdown last season, averaged 4.6 yards per carry. If you look at just kind of his career overall, um, he's rushed for close to 2,000 yards across four seasons in uh, Winston-Salem. His 21, his 21 and 22 seasons were his most productive, which isn't super surprising. Which was kind of better in those years than it was this year. Across those two seasons, he rushed for 1,248 yards and had 13 touchdowns, as well as one more touchdown receiving. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he actually came out of college more as a receiver than a running back, so that probably gives you a sense of maybe kind of his athletic ability. I think he's packed on obviously some weight, lifted 209 pounds on ESPN. But um, you know, I mean, it, it is a it is a transfer that makes a lot of sense again when you consider Indiana lost Trent Howland. When you also consider that Indiana may want a, a slightly different sort of, uh, you know, style of running back in his offense. There have been times when his offense and Madison were very sort of 
and, you know, sort of run past pretty even. Um, but it seems like some of his offenses did trend more toward the pass and, and the ability to involve a, a quicker, more athletic running back in the passing game. So, you know, I think it, it, at the very least, it just sort of looks like a really good depth pickup, and I think the possibility that are kind of what Ellison two years previous to last season when Wake Forest was a lot better, you know, just as an overall team, um, there's a possibility a pretty high transfer for Indiana as well. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, we're having a little problem hearing you. If you're on speakerphone or have any kind of device plugged in, you might try to unhook that and see if it makes it any better. But another IU football question, are there any big names potentially that could be back from last year that have not yet stated, hey, I'm in with Coach Sig or I'm potentially going to enter the transfer portal? Are there any big names still out there hanging on what they could do for next season? You know, I don't, in terms of players that might enter, my sense is that most of the players that were going to go in the portal for whatever reason, whether maybe they were encouraged to or they wanted to explore their own options, I think most of the players that were going to do it around the coaching range probably already have. We are starting to see some of those players come off the board for other schools. And, and you know, I, I, I think I said this early on in the sort of the transition to Signetti. You know, Tom Allen did have a real sort of loyalty from his players. Um and, um, you know, I think there may be a few more than the average that, that wind up sort of saying, hey, I loved playing for Indiana, but, the, you know, the anchor that was holding me here was Tom Allen. You know, and nothing against the new staff, the new head coach. I just kind of want to go seek pastures new. I think there are a couple players Indiana would really like to keep, obviously. One is Donovan McCulley, but, you know, when you get <laughs> – when you see Michigan get heavily interested, um, that becomes a bit of a, a hill to climb. Um you know, we'll see if maybe a couple of these offensive linemen can be lured back out of the portal with Bob Bostad being retained. Obviously, Khalil Benson already committed to, to Colorado over the weekend, and Matthew Bedford, I think, visited Auburn. So it's kind of hard to say where it's going to go. Um, and the flip side is Indiana's obviously, there's probably going to be some of these players that the staff looked at and said either because of their age or their performance or whatever, you know, hey, you know, if you're in the portal, good luck to you kind of situation. There's always going to be a little bit of that in, in the sort of modern day of all this. Um, but I, I do kind of get the sense that, by and large, the exodus of, of players from Indiana that are going in the portal is probably mostly over. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, starting our segment today on IU football. Let's get to basketball. I know a frustrating game for IU fans to watch on Saturday. A lot did not go well for Indiana. The defense was not good. Three-point shooting continues to be an issue, and for really the first time this year, Kellel Ware uh, did not look good for the Hoosiers. He was really bothered by Auburn's defensive uh, defense in the post. Not a good showing, Zach, for IU on a neutral court game with the Tigers uh, on uh, on Saturday afternoon. No, and um, you know nobody really hid from that on on Saturday, and, and obviously the game really I think got away from them in the in the second half. Of it. I mean, I know they were down I think what sixteen or eighteen points at halftime, but it was. It was in the second half where it felt like it kind of caved in on them. They had that kind of little fight back right at the beginning of the second half, primarily through Malik Renew, and then it just sort of fell apart. I think, I mean, on the one hand, it's difficult to sugarcoat a performance like that, obviously. Um, and Mike Woodson didn't really try to, nor did his players. Um, 
you know, I, I am a little bit curious, and I doubt anyone will ever share it because I don't think anybody would want to be seen as, as using it as an excuse. But I am ever so slightly curious about that list of players who were who were rated as questionable. I think it was five or six um, pregame, and all of them except Xavier Johnson played. There's been kind of a suggestion in the last week or so that maybe there's a you know a bit of a bug circulating through the locker room, and listen, that's you know a, a little flu game doesn't necessarily. Um, uh, account for all of a 28 point loss. Let's be very fair. But, you know, I think it, it's a game that at very least kind of reminds you that while Indiana maybe has, has had some encouraging moments in these first couple months and of course, um, got off to a 2 0 start in Big Ten play, you, you still look at this team and, and think it's got a ways to go to measure up to the kind of teams it's going to need to beat if it wants to build a, a sturdy NCAA tournament resume at some point this season. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star on IU basketball. It gets no easier, uh, Zach, for Indiana. Kansas is the next game, and Kansas has been uh, winning and winning fairly handily in a lot of their games. So uh, this is a tough stretch. It's amazing to think uh, end of last week, everybody fired up, excited. Indiana's 2-0 and in Big Ten Conference play. That's so key and so important to the whole overall layout of Big Ten Conference play that will resume after the first of the year. But now some of these tough non-conference games, a loss to Auburn uh, on Saturday, and maybe a tough one coming up with Kansas here the next weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of focus at this point on on Kansas. It, it's always been kind of the marquee November-December game. I mean, UConn and the Gardens up there, too, but IU-Kansas is always just going to is always just going to suck up more oxygen than most games. Um, I do think it's a game where Indiana is, you know, fans justifiably are probably going to be looking for a bit of a response. Um, you know, I don't think Indiana necessarily has to win, although obviously if they don't, then they've kind of missed all their opportunities for marquee non-conference, you know, wins. It, it, that's one of the things where I think the strength of schedule is going to be fine. You've got four teams currently in the top 11. Um, in uh, in Ken Palm, there's, there's only... I guess Florida Gulf Coast is kind of cratered where you didn't expect them to. They're three and eight and, and haven't looked really good doing it. They were expected to be better, frankly, than they've been. I think they were Ken Palm, probably top 180 or so preseason. Um, so Indiana was trying to schedule a better game there. But the point is, if, even if you sort of remove them from the conversation, there's still only three guaranteed games on the schedule against teams that are outside the Ken Palm top 200. So, you know, it's, I think Kim Palm's got their non-conference strength schedule right now at 146, and I think that's going to climb pretty significantly when they when they play Kansas and that game gets rolled into the formula. Um, but on the other hand, if you lose that game, then you really haven't gotten a lot other than sort of, you know, the, the commendable attempts to schedule tough in the non-conference, which only kind of gets you so far. But I think you don't necessarily have to win it if you can get to a place where you can do a lot of good work, of course, in Big Ten play. But I do think that at very least, fans are going to expect, and I think not unfairly, a bit of a response at home, sold out Assembly Hall, a game everybody's been waiting for for two years since the series was announced, and it was kind of confirmed Indiana was going to get the their home game second. You know, you can't go out and lay an egg against Kansas the way you did against Auburn. You know that that has got to be a that Auburn game has got to be one that is just is just sort of like you know a, a, a burn the tape game that that doesn't. It's not repeated. Doesn't matter. We get to the end of the season. We say that was just a bad day at the office, um, and that certainly can't be something that you you look like again against uh, uh, 
against uh, – what am I trying to say? Against Kansas. Forgive me. <laughs> Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. Kellel Ware, he's been the consistent. He's looked so good this season for Indiana. I think he definitely has improved his draft stock. What was his situation, you think, on Saturday? He really seemed to struggle. Well, I think it, it's, it's worth saying, um, you know, Auburn – Obviously, he had some big bodies to throw at him. I think Auburn also kind of dared Indiana to shoot threes at times. And to be fair, Indiana did, obviously, very early on. Um, and, you know, they started, what was it, I think, 4 of 4, which means they finished 2 of 13. Um, you know, I think, again, if I'm not, I'd have to go back and check the availability report. I think Ware was one of, or, yeah, I think Ware was one of the guys on that report. On the other hand, you know, Mike Woodson has kind of said this. You know, he, he's had two pretty sort of below par games, particularly finishing, you know, I mean, um, he has been so good shooting twos for so much of this season, you know, so far this season, he's making 62% of his twos. And that's not just against the weak teams. I mean, he was a combined 13 to 20 on twos against Michigan and Maryland. But if you look at the UConn game, you look at the Auburn game, he makes three threes and he only hits one, two across those two games. He was one of 12 from two. And I think the point Mike Woodson has kind of made is, listen, he's come a long way. He's clearly improved from where he was at Oregon. But on the other hand, if you're going to answer questions about basically how ready you are for the NBA, you've got to show up bigger and better when you're playing teams that have NBA prospects or at very least sort of high-level college players in the post. And, and this is one of those things that he's going to have to work out a little bit, how to make some of this work when his team's not going to shoot as many threes or maybe make as many threes, probably both, frankly. Um, I do think it's worth saying Ware does get to the free throw line 10 times. That's not a low number, especially against a team like Auburn that's going to have higher-level athletes and, again, is maybe going to be able to match up with you a little bit better defensively in terms of size and length and quickness and those things. Um, so he's bad from the floor, but he still has 13 points. He has eight rebounds, and again, he gets to the free throw line 10 times. But I think it, in the way that after a heavy loss like that, everybody – is going to kind of have to, you know, everybody on the roster is going to have to do a little bit of self-reflection. That's probably where wares will be, I think. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Zach, I mentioned, I think it was at the start of this segment, that Michigan State and Tom Izzo uh, really struggling so far this season when a lot of people expected them to be uh, one of the best teams in the Big Ten and maybe one of the best teams or at least up near the top of college basketball. One other thing, I don't know if you tracked this or saw this, but a rumor, and of course it's social media, so you have to handle fake news and everything with caution these days, but a rumor got out yesterday that there had been some sort of altercation at Michigan and that Juwan Howard was going to step down as the coach, or uh, I don't know the, the exact rumor that was out there, but it wasn't good for Juwan Howard. It wasn't good for Michigan. Um, I think some of the Michigan beat writers got to the bottom of it. Was it a, is there a no story there? Or do you know anything about some of the rumors that got out in this new crazy world of social media and news that isn't always accurate these days? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like you, I, I, I try hard not to uh, uh, try hard not to sort of give this stuff too much credence without knowing more about it. I think Brendan Quinn, a good friend of mine, works for the Athletic, has covered Michigan for a long time, kind of debunked a lot of the, the suggestions of a um, the suggestions of like a, a you know a physical altercation being at the heart of this. It, it does seem like something happened, and, and I think it's always going to be a bit of an alarm bell because. After some of the other you know, sort of high, higher profile incidents, Juwan Howard is, is kind of on a zero tolerance 
policy right now in Michigan. Um, I obviously don't know what's going to come of this. The only thing I would say is I would trust Brendan's reporting that, that this wasn't something that got physical necessarily. And other than that, I just sort of, <laughs> forgive me, I, I'd kind of sidestep the rest of it. As for Michigan State, I mean, I, I picked Michigan State to to win the Big Ten. Um, and, you know, at the moment that looks like a pretty bad call. Um you know, and, and listen, they've you know you've got the James Madison game. It was it was it's fine losing to Duke. It's fine losing to Arizona, especially the way they did. You know, losing by double digits at home to an admittedly good Wisconsin team, but then you know just basically not kind of finding the stops to beat a um, to beat a, 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 a Nebraska team. God, I couldn't remember. I couldn't get it out, out from under my out from under my tongue. Basically, to to beat a Nebraska team that. Probably shouldn't be scoring 1.17 points per possession against you, even in Lincoln, um, is concerning. And I think in particular, you know, right now you've got, you look at Michigan State's profile, they're not getting to the free throw line a lot. Um, they are very bad shooting the three. I mean, like they, they're not as statistically poor, for example, as Indiana, but, you know, when you look at Indiana, Indiana is also not taking threes. Um, Michigan State, I think at least early in the season, sort of was trying to and then, you know, kind of, I mean, quit on it a little bit for, for lack of a, a better term. You know, I mean, they they took 20 or more threes three times in their first five games. They haven't taken 20 in each of the last four. Um, but the reality for Michigan State is, you know, the guys that were three-point threats a year ago, namely Joey Hauser, are gone, and it doesn't feel like they've been replaced. And so it feels like too often – you know, you're either reliant on kind of Tyson Walker hero ball and, and his, you know, his shooting percentages, quite frankly, have probably suffered a little bit as a result. His last two years, he shot, you know, in the mid to high 40s from three. This year, he's shooting 33.3%. Um, and you're just kind of, if you face a team that can knock down a bunch of threes, you're going to be in trouble. And so um, I think there's just a, a little bit of kind of maybe some, some holes left unfilled at Michigan State that are just kind of, not allowing the the wider sort of machinery to work as it should. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us Mondays on the show. Zach, thanks for the chat. We'll do it next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Yes, sir. Zach Osterman, Indianapolis Star, with us Mondays. Another text on the Thornton's text line. Uh, this is one of the more aggravating teams Indiana has had. It's simple things that is killing them. Nobody blocks out. They won't stay on their man. They go help. Ball gets passed. Open three is all they get out of it. Open three for their opponents, he means, is all that they get out of it. So, yes, uh, good statement there, and I think a correct statement uh, from the texture on the Thornton's text line. Also, speaking of coaches and tough situations, Louisville, Kenny Payne, go and take on a lackluster DePaul team and get handled. So uh, very curious to see what the future is for Kenny Payne. I think a lot of people have already felt like a year three would be tough to come by unless there were some major, major changes uh, from December forward. And uh, does he make it through the end of the year? Hate to get into that kind of discussion for a still fairly new head coach as well, but what a tough situation um, at the University of Louisville with men's basketball. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Chad Gilbert. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School. IHSA executive board member, and he was in Atlanta over the weekend. He's got a great connection to Bruce Pearl, the Auburn coach. We'll talk about that next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. 
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday show. Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Lots of talk about IU and Auburn today. Of course, it was not a good performance by the Hoosiers. And I think some concern with that because it's Indiana and Kansas up next for Indiana. Chad Gilbert, Athletic Director, Charlestown High School, and IHSA Executive Board member, my guest. We talk local sports with Chad, and we'll do that here in just a moment. But first, Chad, you were in Atlanta over the weekend. You got to see this Indiana-Auburn game up close. So your thoughts on the Hoosiers. And then for those that don't know, rehash your connection with Auburn coach Bruce Pearl, who has a great connection to Southern Indiana. Uh, just real quick on the game, Matt. Uh, as bad as it was probably on TV, it was probably worse in person. Uh, IU just got a long ways to go, Matt. There's a, there's a long ways with personnel. There's a long ways with scheming. Can they get things right? Possibly, but it doesn't get any better, like you said, with Kansas on deck. Uh, it'll. Uh, they're in for some battles. We'll see. Uh, I know there's been issues about substitution patterns. That the Hoosiers jumped on Auburn quick out of the bat. But Auburn's athleticism, uh, their style of play, and quite frankly, uh, Coach Pearl just outcoached Coach Woodson in every aspect of the game. I mean, there's no there's no simple way to put it. There were things that he threw at him that IU was not ready for, and you could tell as the, as the game went on. That doesn't take. Have we all been outcoached before? Absolutely, absolutely. Anybody that's played against anybody's good has ever been. They've been coached. They've been outcoached before. But that's a good base. For the Hoosiers to see, you know, where do we need to go? You know, it's going to be hard against Kansas this weekend as well. But they'll be able to see where they need to go moving forward. Hopefully they can make some strides. As far as Coach Pearl goes, you know, I was lucky to play for Coach Pearl in, in college. I was a uh, started out at Indiana State for two years, went down to Southern Indiana, won a national championship in 1995, and was uh, just able to be around Coach Pearl and his excitement, his system, um, everything that he brings to the table that makes you want to play basketball, if that makes any sense, Matt. You know, just getting to talk to him briefly at the game the other night, I just told I was with Amy Darcy and Grace at the game, and it was just like, you know, he just makes you feel confident. He makes you feel better in just a short period of time that you talk to him. So he gets you ready to play. You factor that in with, name me five coaches that are better than him right now in America. I can't do it. He's, he, you know, he's, he's a great X and O guy. He's a great schemer guy. He's a great guy that gets his teams ready to play their best on the biggest stage. Now, that that SEC is a different creature athletically. Yeah, I think if you line up everybody in the Big Ten versus the SEC, there's a the athleticism is so much different. But he's got Auburn ready to roll down there. That was that was the goodest performances I've seen in person in, in my in my life. How about the environment? State Farm Arena, downtown Atlanta, big big neutral site game. Let me say this, Matt. Downtown Atlanta is awesome. We had a great time down there. But I want to say this for IU fans. They came out strong, strong. There were a ton of IU people there. It was, you know, that that's something 
that IU has that coaches can use to their advantage that players get behind it. You know, IU fans are IU fans. And there were as many IU fans there as there were Auburn, and they were loud and aggressive right through, throughout the game. It was a great environment, something special that I hope those guys playing know that it was a great atmosphere to be involved in. It had, it had a huge NCAA tournament atmosphere. Chad Gilbert, he's with us Mondays. we got to get to local sports. Big weekend of high school basketball. We had Joshua Renfro on in the first segment. He surpassed 1,000 points as Christian Academy defeated Rock Creek. Jason Jones of New Albany, a big win over Floyd Central. Uh, the dogs looked pretty good. And uh, some other highlights this weekend, I thought Providence getting a win over Scottsburg was really big. So a good weekend of high school basketball as things start to maybe level off a little bit and we can kind of get a read for what's ahead for some of our local teams. You kind of get, you know, you say that, talked about the games, Matt, that were there. Uh, you're starting to see where people are a little bit. Sagarin ratings are starting to shake down a little bit. Uh, our Pirates got a big win at home. You talked about Scottsburg. You know, I thought Scottsburg was really, really good against us. They're a bad matchup with us, but they have a, uh, you know, tough schedule with Brownstown at Brownstown Friday and turn around and play Providence Saturday. You kind of saw what was coming on there with uh, with that. You knew that Ryan Miller had the guys ready, but what do you have? You know, I was able to watch the game, and Scottsburg's really, really good. But to see someone out there, you know, Noah Lovin dominated the game, Matt, without question. You know, just getting people in the spots, getting you know, taking his shots, uh, getting people layups off of it. He made some big, big, big plays for Providence to win that game, and that was a huge win because Scottsburg is very, very good. Uh, Silver Creek undefeated. I think that's big. And you know, you think about our players around here, Matt. You 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 name three right off the or four right off the bat. Scottsburg's got three really good players. Uh, uh, Christian Academy, that kid's very good. Noah Lovin's very good at Providence. Silver Creek has very good players. Jeff has very good players. That one kid at New Albany, my gosh, have you seen his highlights? What what's his name, Matt? Chris Lampkins. Oh my gosh, he is just taking off. And it looks to me like uh, New Albany's playing a little bit more up and down, playing a little bit more free. And uh, that's kind of played to their strength a little bit. But, my gosh, there's some really good players in southern Indiana right now. Yeah, definitely some interesting starts to the season for sure. Uh, Chad, Providence, uh, I think an opportunity by the end of the year to maybe be ready to compete with Brownstown, the defense of Providence. Uh, just continues to amaze me, I, especially in person when you see it. And then Jeffersonville, a little slip up at Seymour. That wasn't one of the highlights of the weekend for local teams. They were without Trey Singleton, but I still maintain, even after a bad loss at Seymour, uh, that Jeff uh, has the potential to be really good this season. Yes, I think the Red Devils will be very good. They're going to have a, you know, they've got a tough schedule. They play at Evansville Harrison on or in policy against Evansville Harrison Saturday, which is going to be a very tough game. Uh, Silver Creek at Jeffersonville Friday. I've seen Silver Creek, and I think they're very good. I don't think they ha- they're on Jeff- on pace with Jeffersonville at this point, but Silver Creek is very, very good. They're undefeated, Matt, playing Jeffersonville Friday. But I think at the end of the day, Silver or Jeffersonville can make a nice run in the tournament. I think they, you know, they win that sectional. Uh, I've not seen Bedford play, but I know Bedford gave Scottsburg a little bit, but I think they win that section. I'm looking at the regional. It's a one-game regional. Depending on who they play, you're automatically in the semi-state. So it'll be interesting how things shake along here. And it's only the third or second week in December. Matt, team's got a long ways to go here to see where they're at. They can see their personnel. They can check the way they're playing. 
So it's a good time for coaches coming up here after they get through this week to kind of reevaluate and see where they are going into January. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with me Mondays on the show with local sports and more. Chad, thanks. Glad you had a great trip to Atlanta. We'll do this again next week. Man, I appreciate the run, and thank you for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. Thank you very much. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday show. We'll be back Tuesday at 11 a.m. here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.